0: It's my privilege today to bring God's word to us and we're going to look um, at uh, what we think the Bible says about God's kingdom, God's power and God's glory, and specifically uh, looking at the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 5. I'm going to read the passage and, and then we'll look at those three elements of God's kingdom, God's power and God's glory and we're going to look at look a little bit of the quirkiness uh, in our Bibles Um, about that that verse as well. So this is uh, Jesus teaching about prayer found found, uh, in Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I'll tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one and though you won 't see it in your Bible, you would see it in most of them in the footnotes. it goes on to say, "For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever amen. The first thing to talk about there is Jesus says. Uh, a few times, when you pray, not if you pray, or not should you pray, it's when you pray. And why does he say when you pray? Well, it's because it's such an important part of our discipleship, of our Christian walk. Praying, if you're someone who's listening to this who doesn't know, is really just talking to God, but also listening, listening to see the sense that you get of what he is saying. This is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, but I suppose it'd be better titled uh, the prayer that the Lord taught us. He's showing us how to pray, he says when you pray. He's talking about our private prayer life, when you go into the room and then you pray to your father who's unseen. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus sees the crowds, we're told. And then we're told he goes up onto a mountainside and his followers come to him and he begins to teach them. And this, I always get struck by this and I always love pointing it out, but it's a, it's a brilliant illustration of then what went on, but also what's going on with us now, especially in these changing times. You can see that the crowds, these are not necessarily his followers. His followers came to him. First of all, it says, Jesus sees the crowds. He goes up on a mountainside. His followers come to him and he begins to teach them. So he's got crowds of people, not necessarily people that maybe believe what he's saying or who he is. There's also in that In that passage, the followers, they are the ones who believe in him and trust in him. That's who we are as church. That's the church. So we have the crowds of the world and the followers of the church. And he teaches his church things about himself and about the way God is and what God wants while the world looks on. So he's teaching them, but the world is looking on. And he still teaches us today and the world looks on. And the world looks at what we do. They, they've seen, actually, um, generation after generation, but also in this past year, of what we do as Christians. Because we can say a lot, but it, a lot of the time it's what we do that can really witness to the world. Faith in action. There's lots of good stuff over generations that carries on. Food banks, schools that have been set up, the mission field, uh, support for people in debt, pastoral care. Uh, aid being sent to other countries and also in this country where needed, children looked after, orphanages. There's been loads of history with the church, the abolition of slavery. These are not just things that they've heard Jesus teach, they're doing things that they believe Jesus would do. And so the world looks on and it's important to say at this point I think, the world looks on uh, as church is where they can see it, and, and, and now they can see the church in action more than ever. Why? Like we 've seen in the last year, technology. People are looking at the church online as well. There's been a massive uptake of people looking at churches online, ours included. and this is why one of the reasons that we've uh, said to you recently we 're looking to upgrade our capability. We know the world looks on, we want to be able to offer offer a a digital offering as well as when we preach, when we worship. So that when we gather physically, brilliant, but also for the people who can't gather with us in in a physical sense, can gather anyway, remotely. Someone said to me recently, well, is God really using technology? I, I think he is. God is unchanging, but times change. You know, there's so much going on, social media, YouTube, Facebook, all these sorts of things. It's interesting. I've just been reading this month's edition of Christianity Magazine. And there's an author in there and he, he said this. He said, To ignore YouTube would be like a 16th century believer ignoring the printing press. Think about that. You know, If we, if we don't use these, these tools that are at our disposal to preach the gospel, to share it further afield, then are we missing something that God is doing? And as we gather here this morning and for all those looking further afield he teaches us some of you listening might not even be followers yet and you're part of the crowd that was there in that original sermon on the mount there's many more outside that are looking on to our believers or maybe you're there and just want to know what the church says about the issues of the world well for us as christians it's not just the church that's saying that it's the head of the church who we speak for there's a name that needs to be heard so much more than is, or at least in a better context. One name that needs to be acknowledged of a man that lived and still lives, God himself, who died for all humankind, who broke into history at a moment in time and changed things forever. He is God. And these are the words that God himself passes on to us as the world and the followers and the crowds look looks on. And his name is Jesus. And he said... For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And a small quirkiness of this, as I mentioned at the beginning, is that final part in the Lord's Prayer, that we always say, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Actually doesn't appear in the first manuscripts of the Bible, of the New Testament. And as a result, um, many modern translations, mine included here, add it as a footnote. However, It's good that it's there for a number of reasons. It appears that uh, scholars say it was a very, very early addition to the Lord's Prayer. It was almost certainly used by the church within a 100 years uh, of Jesus giving the prayer originally to his followers. And Jewish prayers of Jesus' time generally ended with some sort of blessing to God. So it's probable that Jesus expected his followers to conclude the prayer with words similar to these. Why? Well, when you look at the prayer, Why would we want to leave it on Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? Why would we want that prayer? Why would we want evil to get the last word? People often say that, oh, you know, uh, evil gets the last word. Satan uh, is, is apparent. Well, he doesn't get the last word. God does. It seems unlikely they would end the prayer on the downbeat note of protect us from evil. We don't want to end it there because that gives the devil the last word. Uh, this week, uh, you may have tuned into it. it's the Alpha Leadership Conference um, at HTB Holy Trinity Brompton, and Kay Warren, the wife of Rick Warren, uh, the pastor of Saddleback Church in America, there something like twenty thousand um, uh, um, uh, members across multiple sites, and she was at the Alpha Leadership Conference this week. And this is this is a couple that have known huge blessing in their lives. Uh, Rick Warren pioneered the purpose-driven life and the purpose-driven church, sold millions of books, influenced many pastors. He's a pastor to the pastor. Uh, I get emails from him regularly, not personally. He sends them out uh, generically. And great advice and wisdom about being a minister. And his sermons, I think, are very, very good. And you see the good stuff, which is brilliant. They've also known tragedy. Uh, Their son suffered with his mental health for many years and a few years back sadly took his own life yet she said this this week there is hope there is a new dawn there are new beginnings god does bring beauty from ashes he does bring good out of evil he does triumph over death i will cling to god with all i have i will put my trust my faith my belief in his goodness and that is the kind of faith that we're to have it's a very gritty, gritty faith, and sometimes it's not pretty. And when I read that, I, I, can, uh, I heard that, I so related to it. I so related to it. It's, it's casting yourself on God, whatever the circumstances, but He will bring good out of bad. The devil whatever you're going through, does not get the final say. And this ending of the prayer brings us back from spiritual warfare to praise, a way that all our prayers ought to end, confident, expectant praise, which puts all of our prayers in their right perspective. So first of all, the kingdom. Now, the kingdom is, should be the priority in our lives. God's, what is the kingdom? Here on earth now, it's God's rule and reign in our lives and in the world. God's kingdom is forever, and that's an, an incredible thought. Everything else, all the leaders you've ever heard of, uh, all the powers, all the business empires, all the stock markets, political powers, they will all pass away, but the kingdom of God goes on forever. So I want to invest in that. I want to invest in the kingdom of God. And that's what God calls me to. That's when I'm going to find my, my absolute being, my absolute purpose in life, to, to further the kingdom of God. And a question for some of you this morning is, are you part of that? Are you part of this kingdom? Are you in the crowd looking on, but not really being a follower? Or are you a follower listening, but not really doing? We want to follow and, and, and pass on and progress the kingdom of God. Remember last week, you know, I said, Jesus has open arms, He's he's not got the pistol ready to shoot. He's got his open arms. He's saying, come to me, all you, all you who are weary and burdened. That's everybody. And I will give you rest. He he assures us of our destiny. And he says, come to me. And what that means is we accept him into into our lives. We accept that he died for the things I do wrong. And he sets me free to serve. And it means now I have to say I'm living for him. And part of that is to further the kingdom of God. We've all got choices to make. We've all got the supermarkets we can shop in with the different brands and all the TV channels, all the thousands of things you can read. Uh, There's a whole global world now that very, very soon we'll be able to take our holidays again in. Endless products that we're fed from the TV. Services competing for our attention, our money. Activities filling sometimes very limited time. How do we cope with that? Well, the only way to cope with that in this busy life, and this busy world, is to prioritise. And for Christians, your priority has to be the kingdom of God. It has to be thinking, what would the kingdom of God God look like if I really look at myself and how I live, how I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I give my service? I want the kingdom of God in all those things to be my priority. How do I help people? Who do I help? Who do I worship? It has to be God. And whatever success comes, which it can, and there's nothing wrong with that, whether it's in business or life or medals, our overriding question must be how is this impacting the kingdom of God? How can I make this impact the kingdom of God? This is for everybody. It's not just Christian ministers, it's for everybody. It's by bringing God's rule and reign, God's kingdom, wherever wherever he's called you, whether it's a marriage, a home, an office, a classroom, a university, if you're a Christian, if you're not just part of the crowd, if you're one of the followers, you're called to serve the kingdom of God. And it can be, as Kay Warren said, costly. It can be gritty. It means standing with the bullied, the friendless. It means helping the needy. It means being Jesus in any given situation. It means being the encourager, not the discourager. It means seeking blessing on people rather than evil. If you're part of the followers of that group of people that Jesus was teaching, then you're part of the Church of Christ and the kingdom of God has been entrusted to us and we need to honour it and use it for the greater God. Making the kingdom our priority means being open to God as king of our lives. And if you do that, there's fulfilment and he'll use you wherever he's put you. Wherever you are, you can further the kingdom of God. What a privilege that is. And after all, as I said at the beginning, everything else will fade away eventually. But those things that you do for the kingdom, they last forever. Matthew 6 verse 33. He said, seek first the kingdom. It means looking for those opportunities as a Christian. There's many of them. You look at this, just this Sermon on the Mount, going to Matthew's Gospel, have a look at it. Look at the Beatitudes, which we've mentioned, the beautiful attitudes. Seek them, grow in them. goes on to say, being salt and light. Seek to be salt and light in our societies, everywhere you are. Sometimes that means it's tasty, it's pleasant. You know, and sometimes it's bitter, you have to speak out about things that are wrong. It means putting the word of God first, seek the word of God first. There's an attack on the word of God. And it seems to me the more it's attacked, the more society goes downhill. The more we leave God's moral standards, the more society uh, suffers. It's interesting that the more it's attacked, and over the years it's been attacked many times, that archaeology is actually proving it to be right. People groups uh, or or different uh, uh, artefacts are being found that back up the Bible. It means if there's anger, let's be the peacemakers. If we've got unforgiveness, let's forgive, outrageous forgiveness. It means in our relationships, seeking purity, the sanctity of marriage and of sex and everything else, seeking God's will because society is telling us it's free and easy, yet we see the consequences of it. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. uh, uh, Treat it as such. It means in our vows and our promises we show integrity. Do you know the Bible? Uh, which has always been a challenge in, in, in this. It says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else, listen to this, anything else comes from the evil one. If we can't be trusted for our integrity, it means the evil one is having his way in us. If you say yes, then do something. If, you, if not, say no, but don't say yes and not do it. Or don't say yes and lie. It's integrity is key. Anything else, recognise where it comes from, is from the evil one. It means that with a giving people, we should seek generosity. and It's been such a blessing. And and another thank you to all of you who contributed recently to our special offering um, for the ministry side of things, which is going to enable us to improve some of the things that we want to do to reach out further. Thank you so much. It was so generous. It means in our prayers, as Jesus said right at the beginning here, uh, do not be like the hypocrites. Seek authenticity with passion an expectation, and as I go about worrying about everything, what I think and and my needs, and and how I think I could change the world, Jesus says, "Seek first His kingdom." I've said before the NRSV translates "seek" as "strive." It means to actively go after and progress the kingdom of God. Look for the opportunities. Now, much of what I've said would suggest that we've got, we could do a lot in our own strength. And a certain amount there is part of what we're doing. That's our effort. That's your effort. Striving for the kingdom of God. Seeking the kingdom of God first in everything we do. But you can't do that on your own, which comes to the second point. It's the power. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. We have the power within us from God. Strength in your life of God that you can achieve much can't do it on your own. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one who strengthens me. He's the one who strengthens you. We're not always perfect. We're not always on the up. Sometimes we're on the down. But he strengthens us. Romans 1.16 says, The gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There's Jesus again with his arms open, saying, Come to me. Don't be part of the crowd. Be part of the followers. Ephesians 6, verse 10, talking about the gospel of the church, Paul finishes by reminding the church in Ephesus to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There is power. This is a reminder that everything I do and everything you do, we have to rely on God's strength because sometimes, as I know full well, we become weak and then we have to rely on his strength. But equally, don't sell yourself short. The power of God is in you. And of course, it means that when we do a great work and we're feeling good about it, it's not much too wrong in that. But we shouldn't be saying, Oh, look, God, look what I've done for you. Aren't you lucky? He isn't in our debt. I'm in his debt. All we do for the kingdom of God is in his strength. God's power. If you're part of the crowd now and you don't know that power, you need to see Jesus' opening arms who says, Come to me. Come to me. And you accept him, go and speak to a Christian friend about him, go and see a Christian minister, get yourself on an Alpha course. You can go online for that. Just type in Alpha. It's really easy. Get on the course and ask God into your life and just see what he does in your life. But it'll all be in his strength. And it's a great encouragement for the rest of us as we live out our lives. That same strength that keeps literally the universe ticking over and going is the power that is available to us. Ephesians 3 verse twenty. Uh, a verse that we've often quoted in our church here. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. A little taster of the third point coming in the second. It's all for his glory. By his mighty power that works within me and within you, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is within you. And we must use that as our source, as we, as, as we allow the Spirit of God to work for us. And I, I would fashion uh, a guess that none of us are using that power to our full capability. For me, I felt uh, for years now, mine is preaching and showing leadership. I feel it when I preach, I feel it when I lead. I'm passionate about the church and all the church can be. But recently I've had a lesson, a very hard lesson of not relying on myself, but being stripped bare and saying, God, I'm relying on you. I have to rely on you. I've got nothing left. And he's shown me that we can trust him. We can rely on him. It's not my church. It's his church. Jesus is head of the church. But let's not forget the difference the local churches can make with all its youth work that goes on, the feeding programs, the clothing programs, the life-changing message that needs to be spread, baby groups, All these things that we do, also individually, as you go about, it's not just about the Sunday stuff or even the organised stuff. Every day there's an opportunity. Let me give you an example. Um, It was Andrew's birthday on Wednesday, just passed, and um, the forecast was for pretty poor weather. We were going to go to London for the day and walk around and get some outside food. Um, but um, the weather, as I say, was going to be pretty poor. So I couldn't believe I was suggesting it. It's just something I know that she enjoys doing. Um, I'm not as uh, much a fan. And I said, well, look, what about if we go to Blue Water? Because there's some outside eating areas, and but if it really rains, we're inside with our masks. And that what, that's what we did. And so, you know, we've got our masks on along with everybody else, and we're walking around, and we're being safe, and we're following one-way systems. And uh, occasionally, Andrea... Um, would go into a shop, and if it was a lady shop, I'd just say, "Well, I'll wait out here, and I'll just wait for you. You take your time." We had the whole day. My patience was much, much more than it normally is in these circumstances. It was her birthday, she could do whatever she wants. And so I was outside one of these stores, and and most of the seats are being taken because obviously you can't really sit down inside all the food outlets. In, inside, so people were sitting on some of the benches that were there, and I found this space. There was an old gentleman at the end of it, and there was a space here. So I went and sat down, made myself comfortable, figuring it's going to be at least half an hour. Um, and it's, the time passes quick if you get your phone out and you can check things and read devotions or whatever it is I was doing. Uh, but it's fair to say it was quite a result getting a seat because they were mostly taken. Up comes this, looks like a grandmother. She was a grandmother or a, or a very, very old mother uh, with, a, with a baby in the pushchair. baby's crying She's got a sandwich that she's bought, but you can't eat that inside the restaurant. So she's trying to rot the pram and she's got the sandwich. And I'll be honest, it was all getting a bit messy. And I looked up, uh, no grand statement. I just said, Look, I'm only waiting for my wife. I can stand up. Do you want to sit down? She said, I can't take your seat. I said, Why not? She goes, No, you know, everywhere's packed. That's your seat. You have it. I said, It really isn't a big deal. Um, and I think I had my faith over fear top on. So um, I thought, I better do something. I said, no, honestly, sit down. So She said, you wouldn't do it. And anyway, i sit there for another two minutes. She's getting more and more of a mess. The baby's crying. I said, honestly, can you please sit down? And now people are beginning to look. It's a bit of a sideshow, mainly men waiting for wives to come out the shop, saying what's going to happen. This is drama. And anyway, eventually she says, are you sure? I said, yeah, it's really not a big deal. She goes, I can't believe you're going to do that for me. And I'm not trying to put myself up there. And she sat down and... It was just such a minor thing. And I was reflecting on it later, and I thought, why is that such a big deal? Is it because that kind of thing isn't really happening anymore? And you can see that we can have our programs and our food banks and everything else, and and clubs, and that's brilliant. But these are just small opportunities that can make someone's day. I mean, to be honest, I wanted to stand up. I was getting fed up sitting down. It wasn't a big deal. Just being a Christian out there can make a big difference. And all of this... Uh, that's not a great illustration, actually, uh, but, but it's one that I thought, well, you we can make a difference in the small things. Finally, the glory. So we've got the kingdom, the power, and the glory. This is the purpose for our lives, is to glorify God. Okay, I've already read the verse, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is worked within us. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church. He's the only one who can get the glory. It reminds us, reminds us of the ultimate purpose of who we are in him and what we do. The God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is to be glorified in our thoughts, our words and our deeds. It's God who is to be praised, not us. And we're in a, a, a culture uh, where a lot of people seek their own glory and, and, and now we need to put perspective on that as Christians. It's God who gets the glory. It's the name of Jesus, like we said at the beginning, that's to be lifted up, not ours. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, puts our lives, past, present and future, into true perspective. Jesus is on the mountainside. The world is watching. His followers are listening. Whether it's in the building of the church or Facebook or YouTube or or, or um Uh, the other one, which I can't remember now. Um, um, But the question they're all looking on, online, all sorts. The question today is what his followers have listened to what he said will do. Will they put his teaching into action? We really don't want to be lukewarm Christians. And it's been brilliant over this past year in the pandemic to see Christians rise up and do great things really really good and they're on fire to do good to further the kingdom of god burning with the holy spirit And a passage that troubled me uh, when i was unwell romans 12 11, which is one of my favorite passages i felt down when i was rereading the first bit never be lacking in zeal i had no zeal keep your spiritual fervor i didn't have it serving the lord wasn't doing much ouch and then thank you god be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And I knew that God would do a work in me, which he did and his doing. He goes on to say, bless those who persecute you, bless, do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. We can only do it in his, his, his power, in his presence. We don't want to be lukewarm, we want to have plenty of zeal and spiritual fervour, but when it's not there, we can be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. We can go and serve our Lord who went on that mountainside and told us, and the crowds were looking. We're his followers, and so we want to do as he says, and be Jesus to the surrounding area, surrounding people, Us blessing others, seeking first the kingdom, because Jesus said, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. Which means so be it. It's like we've signed a contract. Now go out and just be about the kingdom of God. You have God's power in you. You're a fantastic group of people. I'm really missing you. And we are beginning to make plans to gather physically again, which I'm so excited about. But you're fantastic. Why are you fantastic? Because you're the church. You're the church of God, and you're all about his kingdom, all about his power, all about his glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all.